Welcome to Jesus in America. I'm Eric Fish. I'm passionate about Jesus and I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about learning. I believe we are at the precipice of a historic reformation of the Western Church, no less significant than the Protestant Reformation of 500 years ago. Join me each week as we explore stories, conduct interviews, and investigate principles among those who are pioneering Jesus-centered life outside the boundaries of conventional Christianity. One reason I love making disciples is because I experience so much joy uh, and just a sense of I'm doing this with Jesus. Um, and I have benefited so much from quality, lifelong relationships or relationships that are becoming lifelong who I had the privilege of walking, guiding into becoming a Jesus follower and teaching them the basic rhythms of the life of a, of a disciple of Jesus. And uh, I love seeing the results of disciple making when people go out and they start their own ministries, they, they start their own families, they make their own disciples. Um, I have a, a couple named Brian and Sierra, um, who, who you might know, but um, uh, they started following Jesus while they were students at Haskell Indian Nations University. He'd, he'd never been in a church in his life. Um, I talked about them on another podcast. But when they graduated college, he, uh, they asked, what is the most influential thing we could do on our, our reservation among our Crow people? And uh, he thought about, you know, getting a job at a, you know, a church or whatever, but ultimately decided, you know, I think I can be a lot more influential for Jesus if I would just get a job as a football coach. So he got a job as a football coach, and pretty soon into the season after practice, he started inviting his players, hey, we're going we're gonna, to um, uh, experience Jesus and read stories about Jesus after practice. A few people started coming, and then more and more and more. Eventually, his entire football team started following Jesus and became part of uh, what we call a simple church, which is a simple expression of church that results from evangelism and basic disciple-making. As a group starts to become disciples together, they become a church. It's simple in its form in the beginning, but it's a, a form of church every bit as much as a young human baby is fully human, it's just smaller and not as developed. So Brian starts discipling his whole football team. Pretty soon like a security guard comes over one night and tries to break up the group because he thought they were getting high or something and comes over, sees what's going on and it's like, Whoa, this is amazing and he becomes part of their, their simple church community as well. So the football season ends um, and they need money so Brian gets a job as a fireman did I ever tell you this story? I love this story. So these firemen in Montana, Crow, native men, tough guys, not your, you know, once churched, good, good old boys, whatever, just um, some really tough guys. And Brian's out there in the wilderness fighting fires with him. And um, one day, Brian sees this guy uh, on the fire line. And this one guy had been really opposed to, like, Brian had started, like, you know, a group for people to, you know, read the words of Jesus and have conversations and stuff. And this guy was really resistant to that. So um, he sees this guy on the fire line one day. And this story pops in his mind that he'd read recently in the Bible. So he, Brian walks up to this guy on the fire line and says, Hey, uh, 
can I talk to you a sec? He goes, yeah, what's up? He goes, hey, I know you're not like into the God thing and stuff, but I felt like I was supposed to tell you something. He goes, okay, what is it? And Brian says, did you know that Jesus was tempted to commit suicide? The guy says, no, I didn't know that. He goes, yeah. Um, there's a story in the Bible where Satan took Jesus up to this high um, building and told him to throw himself off. But Jesus didn't do it because he knew Satan was trying to deceive him. And the th reason I think I'm telling you this is because sometimes people get the idea in their mind that they should kill themselves. But every time it's Satan putting the idea into your mind because he's trying to stop you from the purpose that God has ahead for your life. This guy looks at Brian and says, there's no way you could have known this. But this morning I loaded my gun and I wrote a suicide note. And I told God, God, if you're real, speak to me out on the fire line today. Otherwise, when I get home from work, I'm going to kill myself. And right there, out in the wilderness of Montana, Brian led his friend through the change experience. How to start your journey with Jesus, personally connect with him, be forgiven of the past, and be set free to move forward into your future with Jesus. And I want you to picture a short time later about 12 guys meeting on top of a lookout tower doing simple church together to experience Jesus and grow as disciples right in the wilderness of Montana. And, you know, and then I think back a couple years earlier, Brian and I were just sitting in a dorm room, he and I and his girlfriend, just learning how to follow Jesus. It's not about religion. It's not about just pray a prayer to get to heaven. It's not about, hey, you know, clean your life up so you follow all the rules. It really is about changing lives and destinies, eternities, future families. The Jesus way of life is absolutely transformational. If we'll hear it, understand it, and live it, know it, let it inside us, let it start to challenge and change how we do things, how we relate to ourselves, our, our, our friends, our family, our workplace. The way of Jesus is comprehensive and holistic for all of life. It's not something to do in church or doing a program. It's about Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God coming on the earth than any other topic. And the way of Jesus is about seeing his kingdom, Jesus's way and his reign, which is good and love and freedom and transformation and healing, seeing that Jesus way spread through relationships. That is disciple making. I think one of the things that you talk about a lot is the supernatural and how it should be super, you know, like natural mm -hmm. in these very real kind of ways. Maybe you can talk about just that and other stories that come up about just how natural it is for God to show up in these kinds of ways when you're just really responding. What what does that look like? How have you seen God do that? How you encourage people to yeah. kind of walk into that? Kind of yeah. I love that phrase. The supernatural should be super natural. The supernatural should be really natural. Um, it, you know, we see through the Bible, through the book of Acts, tons of stories of miracles and power encounters. Uh, in, in Corinthians, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Paul said, um, when I was with you, I focused on Jesus and him crucified um, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so often today in Christendom, you know, what we exalt as being really, you know, exemplary Christian leadership are people who can talk really well and who are, you know, giving eloquent speeches. And that's fine. And I love talking to people and giving speeches. 
But the thing to understand is that people's lives are transformed when they have an authentic encounter with the love and the power of God. And um, for me, that uh, I see people that are really into, you know, power and the charismatic gifts and all this stuff. Sometimes they can just be really weird. Like, you know, make it about a show or the person who's the most bold on a street corner or whatever else. And for me, I see that Jesus was just as comfortable at a party as he was at the temple. And so I think a lot in terms of what would it be like to follow the way of Jesus into more parties. And one of my favorite things to do is it, it's, it, it's, it's so easy. But when I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm like, okay, look, I got to pray a blessing for you right now. Can I do that? Sometimes they'll be like, okay, and I will pray a prayer and I'll say, you know what, let me tell you what I'm feeling on my heart for you now that I feel like God would say to you. And I start to just communicate, here's what I feel like God's saying. And it's not like, thus saith the Lord and putting some big stamp of like God's absolute authority on it. It's like, here's what I'm feeling inside for you that Jesus wants to tell you. And many times people will start to cry. They'll feel loved. They'll feel encouraged. Not all the time. Sometimes it's like I said something stupid, you know, that happens too. Um, but I make room for the prophetic in my life. What's the prophetic being um, connecting with the heart of God and what he would say to someone in that moment um, to encourage them, honor them, and you know, lead them into a deeper experience of, of him and a better life. And I make space for the prophetic without being weird. Um, just last week, I'm, I'm here in a co-working space, and uh, there was... Uh, a girl who's a lady, young lady who's working at the front desk. And I come around the corner and suddenly I see this picture of a children's book. And so I walk up to her and I go, hey, this might be kind of random, but have you ever thought about writing a children's book? Because I think you need to. And she goes, her jaw drops and she's like, how did you know that? I'm like, well, sometimes I get little thoughts that are from God to encourage people. I think he wants to encourage you in what your dream for this children's book, you need to go for it. She's like, wow. And it was just this really normal thing, you know? It wasn't weird. So we can be naturally supernatural. One of the things I've seen in my movements um, that I've catalyzed of disciples making disciples and simple churches and house churches and pub churches. I don't like the term house church really because sometimes it's connotated with like, you know, a bunch of people who are angry at the church sitting around in their living room whining about big church. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of groups like that. I want to be a part of groups full of love and the mission of God and making disciples and being great friends and having good food together. Um, but uh, you know, and I, I've seen these expressions of church start in so many multiple locations from workplaces to pubs, coffee shops, hookah bars, college dorm rooms. And um, uh, so in terms of being naturally supernatural, um, some of my charismatic friends, who, you know, who move a lot in healing and signs and wonders and miracles and, and prophetic, they'll do it in kind of like a stage you know, set up a stage and a big audience or, you know, out in public. But I like to think about it like this. What if I can get 10 or 15 people in the same room, like learning to experience Jesus, um, you know, starting to discover him and then like actually model like prophetic prayer or healing right there. And all of a sudden that little group can very quickly become a church. A young church. We do this in Southern California um, at USC. 
and uh, we, I had a team travel there last year, and we were uh, walking around getting dinner, and one of my friends says, I feel, like we sh I feel like Jesus wants to send us somewhere for dinner. And the other guys in the group are like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. Come on, man, let's just get some food. He looks up, and he sees a donut shop. He's like, I think we're supposed to go get donuts. And some of the other guys in the group are really healthy and fit. And they're like, that is stupid. No way. And he's like, man, I feel like we're supposed to go there. So finally, they agreed to at least go in the donut shop. And if not eat dinner there, just get a donut or something. So they go into this donut shop, immediately get in line behind this, this a guy and a girl, young couple uh, or friends. And they start talking. And then before you know it, one of them says, you know, I think I was supposed to come in this donut shop and meet you. And they tell them about how they felt like they were supposed to come to the donut shop. The guy goes, no way. They end up sitting in that donut shop for two hours, um, share prophetic words. One guy becomes so blown away with how accurate the, the things that they were praying for him for were. He soon became a follower of Jesus. He came to my house this summer. He got baptized in my pool bathtub. Now he's discipling um, his first group of his friends. Um, and that girl, that night we had a party. We do, we do these things called Jesus parties. They're so fun. All we do is we, um, people we've had lots of conversations with and stuff, we're like, hey, we're having a Jesus party. It's where we, we have some food and then we read a story about Jesus and we discuss it and we just make a space for a three minute meditation for you to connect in a personal way, however you're comfortable connecting. And so all these people come who are not followers of Jesus, but really like being in conversation and just they like how we're serious about Jesus, but not forcing anything on them. But we like food and we like fun. And so anyway, this guy and this girl from this donut shop come to this party. She's um, never been in a, you know, never heard the gospel in her life, never been in a church, grew up kind of a new age, kind of Jewish mystic kind of home. That night, for the first time in her life, she, she talks to Jesus and she just starts weeping. And we're sitting on the floor with this girl, like me and another friend who's highly prophetic. And we're like, here's what I sense on my heart for you. And she's just weeping, experiencing the love of God and being drawn to the reality of Jesus actually being real and loving her. And so stuff like that is um, supernatural, but it's very normal. We can be supernatural and trust for prophetic and gifts or healings, but yet not turn it into this weird, hyper-Pentecostal charismatic package. See, anytime God moves in history, there, humans build a, a tradition or a cultural form around what God does. In the case of Pentecostalism and charismatic churches, God absolutely moves today and gives people gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what we often do is we then try to put that, that package of like seeking for gifts of the Holy Spirit into a Pentecostal church package that it has to look like this or it has to look like that. And it doesn't. Um, so if we separate what is the cultural package of charismatic Pentecostalism and go, no, let's just eagerly seek for the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit without predetermining the form it's going to take, then amazing things happen. Man, I want to I want to tell this one story um, that illustrates how effective anyone who's willing to just go show up 
where people are who don't follow Jesus with just a little bit, a little teeny bit of training. I started discipling this guy named Robert. And Robert was a Native American, and like with everybody I disciple, I lead them through basic experiences with Jesus. And my, my seven experiences that I, I lead as a guideline are um, the change experience, which is where Jesus, you repent and believe in Jesus is Lord, the water experience, which is baptism, the fire experience, which is praying to uh, receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness, not receiving the Holy Spirit like when you get saved, but being empowered to be a witness. The fourth experience is the tell experience, where you learn to tell your story of how you're encountering Jesus to other friends and family who need to hear about Jesus. Um, the fifth is the love experience, where you start to learn to live in rhythms of loving God and loving other people. The sixth experience is the experience of gathering together to share Jesus-centered meals with other disciples. And the seventh experience is now to go out and make other disciples, teach someone else those seven experiences with Jesus. So I was doing this with Robert, and in the tell experience, I said, okay, who do you feel like Jesus wants you to tell your spiritual story to? And I had taught him a simple way of reading a story about Jesus in the Bible, like a chapter from the New Testament, and then asking people, what do you see in this story about Jesus? What do you see about people? How does this speak to your heart? And so he comes back to me and he says, Eric, I was praying and I feel like Jesus wants me to go to Osceola Keokuk Hall, OK Hall for short. OK Hall was known as a really dark residence hall on campus. You could go in at night and smell incense burning from people trying to cleanse their room from demonic spirits that th they thought were giving them nightmares. And um, there were a counselor in that dorm told me in a previous semester, one guy had impregnated five different women. He's like a sexual predator. Um, and the funny, the, the sad thing is you could walk into this dormitory and in the lobby, you could see about 16 flyers inviting people to church. And nothing wrong with that, but it really shows the mindset that we have that we're going to go into the darkness and we're going to invite people out to go to this place across town or across campus or whatever so that they can hear about Jesus. Well, what if Jesus actually wanted to do something there? That's what Robert sensed Jesus telling him to do. So the next week he gets a brilliant idea. He gets a box of donuts and a jug of milk and he prints out a story about Jesus on a piece of paper. I think a story maybe about Jesus um, walking on water or calming the storm. And he goes into the dorm and he starts hanging out in the lobby, playing foosball, seeing people he knows. And they're like, what are you doing here? He says, hey, I became a Jesus follower recently. Um, I got some snacks and I, I really felt like I wanted to come over here and make some new friends and invite people to share snacks and read a story about Jesus. Will you do it with me? It takes about 15 minutes. So like three people said, all right, I'll, I'll read a story of Jesus with you. They sit down, they read the story. At the end of it, Robert goes, did you like, and they had some discussion. Robert asked, did you like doing this? And they're like, yeah, this was cool. This was pretty cool. So he goes, all right, you want to do it again in a couple days? They say, yeah. So it comes back. This keeps going on and on a few times. And the group grows to about seven or eight. And um, they regularly, you know, getting to know each other better, hanging out afterwards, getting to be friends, exploring Jesus in a safe, interactive way. And one night, this guy comes in to the edge of the dorm lobby and he's watching them. And he kind of looks suspicious, traditional native looking guy, all tatted up. And um, they see him, Robert and his, his, his simple church planning partner. And they said, hey, you want to come sit down with us? 
um, you know, because I call him a simple church planning partner, because the goal is that when friends start exploring Jesus together, then become centered on following Jesus, then the group can be, grow to become an actual group of disciples, which is a, a young church. And we wanted to see church happen right where the darkness was, where it's more accessible to light, light driving out darkness and church planning in the places and the spaces where people are questioning and hurting and suffering. Just like God sent Jesus into the world, Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And so emulating that Jesus way of life of finding places of darkness and then getting people into those places is a fun way to adventure with Jesus. So Robert's doing this. They see this guy at the edge of the lobby. They say, hey, do you want to uh, sit down and join us? And this native young man looks at him and says, what is this? Is this like a God thing? And kind of scary tone of voice. And they're like, well, yeah, we're um, reading stories about Jesus and how he has supernatural power to transform our lives. And so the guy comes over and he goes, okay, I think I need this. And he sits down. So they read the story about Jesus and the atmosphere is real enthusiastic and back and forth. And someone then goes, hey, can we read another one? This is awesome. So they read another story and people are hungry to learn the stories of God in the Bible. And anyway, after uh, two stories, this guy, this new guy says, hey, can I tell you guys something? They say, yeah. He goes, hey, back with my um, family and my tribe, we don't do Christianity. Christianity is a bad word because Christianity lied to us, stole our land, broke our treaties, and decimated our families. But the reason I'm here is because last night I had a dream. And in my dream, I was back with my tribe, and we were dressed up in our native regalia, and we were dancing around the fire, worshiping the Great Spirit. And as we danced, suddenly a stranger appeared uh, who was dressed up like my people, and he was dancing with us, but as he was dancing with us, he was pointing fingers at us and mocking us. And as I looked at him in the dream, I realized he had the face of Satan and he was laughing and mocking my people as he danced with us. And in the dream, I was the only one who could see him. I woke up terribly afraid and I felt like God sent me a message, but I don't know what it means. And then I heard about this group that was here talking about God and I felt like I should be part of this. So this simple church planter discipler looks at him and says, I think I can interpret your dream. God has sent you a message. He's called you to be a deliverer for your people, to rescue them from the power of Satan and deliver them into the power and the freedom of the kingdom of God through Jesus. Have you ever heard the story of Jesus before? And he says, no. He goes, I know he like died on a cross or something, but like so many people I meet today, They've heard about Christianity, or what they think it is, but they've never heard the story about Je the story of Jesus in a way they can understand. So this simple church planter looks and communicates the story of who Jesus is and how he, what he taught, the message of the kingdom of God, the message that's for all nations, the message that he rose from the dead and has power and eternal life and wants to restore all the tribes of the earth into an intimate relationship with, with God the Creator and build our relationships with one another based on love. And this guy goes, Jesus is doing that today? Can I join him? 
That night, he becomes a follower of Jesus, repents, changes his mind about God, turns towards pursuing Jesus. Short time later, goes out to a lake with three carloads of students, most whom weren't following Jesus yet, and gets baptized in a local lake. And the story of what happened to this guy spread through that entire dorm that semester as a community formed that was obeying the commands of Jesus together. And it wasn't just the cool like dream and supernatural story. These people were really learning to love each other. One night a guy comes in and his shoes are falling off his feet. And because the group had now become followers of Jesus, they were learning that Jesus taught to give and to be generous. So they collected money and they took, it, uh, took out their new friend who was a new follower of Jesus and they bought him shoes. And this rumor was kind of going around that if you're part of this Jesus community, they'll share with you and they won't, you won't have any needs. I was like, that reminds me of a story I've heard in the book of Acts. And so great things can happen when ordinary people have a willingness to go where the darkness is, hang out with people, and introduce stories of Jesus to people. The Holy Spirit often blows on that and it, it goes in amazing places. You've been listening to Eric Fish's podcast, Jesus in America, produced by Carl Cathedral with music by Cloudkicker. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode.